that one deep left. Forget about it. C.J. Crone muscles up for a solo home run, and it's 3-1. to one. Good afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports, ready to get things underway with podcast number 49. Thanks to the MLB Network for the highlight. We're ready to get things underway here on Pod 49, and we are joined by the executive editor of Tigstown, Paul Wesner, on the pod. Uh, Paul, how are you? I'm doing well, as well as can be given the the current state of the world. Yeah, well, I don't think you're talking about the Tiger game last night. It does go down uh, 7-1. to It wouldn't be that dramatic. Uh, it, it didn't turn out really well. But, um, you know, I, I guess that's where you go for, for openers. Paul, what did, what did you think of the, the season opener last night? You know, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the Tigers didn't look overly competitive last night. You know, they got the, the home run out of C.J. Cron. Other than that, the offense was pretty quiet. Matt Boyd didn't have his best start, but on the upside, we actually had a real baseball game. Um, so, you know, try and keep the positive outlook that we actually got to, to watch a real baseball game yesterday. And hopefully, you know, as the, the season starts to, to ramp up, you know, some guys will, will round into midseason form, even though we're already at what would usually be midseason. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'd seen some of the, the jokes already. Well, the, the world sure is different, but the Tigers look the same. And, you know, something around, you know, that that kind of uh, approach after what we saw last night. But you're right, you know, just uh, going back on Thursday and, and having the game back. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the the Yankees and, and Nationals, like, you know, it's game seven of the World Series. I mean, I'm just sitting there and, you know, it, it, uh, it didn't disappoint right out of the gate. It did when the, the rain came in, but, you know, Scherzer getting taken deep with a monster home run by, you know, Giancarlo Stanton. That was cool. But uh, just it, it was the one thing that I was going to be looking at besides the Tigers was just around the other presentations in the ballpark is when uh, when they went to Dodger Stadium on Thursday night and they had those cutouts behind the – Around uh, behind the plate, I mean that that was bizarre. That takes uh, you know a couple seconds to get used to, and uh, I don't know. It's taken a little bit longer actually, but uh, it seemed like half of the teams last night. I don't know how many of the, of the highlights that you saw, but from the different ballparks, from the Mets to Padres, uh, you know, it seemed like half of them they they had the cardboard cutouts in the stands. Yeah, you know, some teams are trying to get a little creative. I saw the. Uh... The Cleveland Indians even had a, a fake cardboard cutout of a, a marriage proposal, like how they, you know, sometimes show those randomly up on the, the screen. So they enacted a fake one with a couple of cardboard cutouts. So, you know, um, teams are going to have fun with it, which I guess is, you know, the best you can do given you can't have fans out there. It's definitely going to take a little bit getting used to. It's going to be a, a unique thing to see, but, um, you know, at least teams are, are trying to make it a little bit livelier as opposed to just having a, you know, an empty 40,000 uh, seat stadium that would almost feel eerie when it's uh, completely empty. I'm sure. It is a little bit eerie. Uh, seeing Buster po- uh, only sitting out there by himself, you know, with, with a rod back in the booth and the home run ball landing. And then just like, you know, sitting there like on the concourse, it's kind of like, wow. But I mean, uh-huh. it, it is a, it's a bizarre time. And, you know, you see some of those like big tarps with the the advertising. Just last night, I saw like some of the teams. You know, you had like your your average fan size of the cutout, but then the other teams like look like they supersized maybe a fan's head. I I don't know. I don't know if the Tigers are going to do that. Would you spend? I don't know how much it costs, but would you spend a uh, hundred bucks to put your face on a cardboard cutout to uh, be featured at Comerica Park? 
So, you know, I probably wouldn't do it for myself. I may do it for one of my kids if they cared enough, because I think they'd probably get a little bit of a thrill out of being able to see themselves or the picture of themselves on TV. Um, but so, you know, it's still again one of those things, right? Like, I don't care that much, but, you know, I could see, you know, my son is seven now. Uh, that could be fun for him, but, you know. No, I, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Maybe, uh, you know, your uh, your great grandpa that, you know, passed away a few years ago or something. It was a huge Tigers fan. You know, maybe if you could, uh, you know, bring him back for a ball game out there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, broadcast wise, I listened to the radio coverage like for the first half of the game and uh, and then watched it on TV. I, w- I wanted to ask you, so I, I didn't know that, that Dan and Jim were at Comerica until the one point I was sitting there, and Dan's like, well, we're at Comerica Park. I was like, oh. So, I mean, I, it, not that it sounded like uh, that uh, a normal game, but it, because it was quiet, but I, I, it felt like the, that they were in uh, in Cincinnati. But on the TV side, when I was watching, uh, it, it was like um, – I would hear like, you know, I know they're trying to get that ambient sound. They had like a little white noise and there was a little bit of buzz there. And, you know, I, I'm taking it on with, a, you know, grain and everything just trying to say, I know, you know, get used to it. But I, I was like, this is kind of annoying. I'd like to get rid of the, the like little low buzz. But I asked my wife who was sitting there and she said, I don't really hear anything. It sounds fine to me. So I don't know. I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, how did you watch or, or listen to the game? What did you think of all that? So I was watching it, but I actually, uh, just family stuff going on. So it was mostly uh, on mute uh, most of the time. So I didn't get to hear too much of the, the background noise of the commentary was kind of thinking like with uh you know, without a crowd there to actually hear some of those things. I uh, wasn't sure exactly how much I was actually going to miss, but I think that's something I'll try and be on the, on the lookout for as I can uh, watch a little bit more and have the, the sound on, uh, you know, for the games this weekend. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Matthew Boyd, you know, I like him. I really liked him in the first half of last year. And he started giving up too many home runs, as you know. But, you know, he said, I saw his comments after the game, that he said he was too amped because he went out there and, you know, normally he's going to feed off the crowd. And he knew that he was going to have to amp himself up. And, you know, he, he took blame for the loss. But he also said that he was uh, too amped up. But, man, Sonny Gray, he looked like the guy that the Tigers were, you know, going against back when he was uh, in the playoffs dueling against uh, Justin Verlander, man. He was – he looked great against the Tigers. He definitely did. Yeah. He had everything working last night. I think, you know, uh, combined the Tigers struck out 13 times. Um, you know, gray looked very good. Our offense did not look good. Um, you know, Kron obviously had that, that home run, but like I said, you know, and you know, sometimes it's just a guy's got everything going. And then sometimes it just looks like guys are taking some bad cuts. Uh, felt like we had quite a few bad swings last night. Um, Again, it's the first night. You're seeing a different pitcher. Um, there's a lot of different variables. Cause, you know, like that's one of the, the things that in particular I'm going to be, you know, looking out for is um, usually in spring training, you got a month to get ready. And that month, most of the time, you're facing other teams, right? So you're getting to see a variety of different pitchers. You're getting to see a variety of different arm angles, pitch types, everything like that, right? This was an abbreviated period of time in which they're getting ready. And the Tigers basically just played themselves for two weeks, got two games against the Reds, and now we're starting the season, right? And so the different types of pitchers you're facing, the different types of pitches you're facing, like all those different things that you usually get in a normal spring training were largely missing this year. And so I'm going to be curious to see if that has any type of, you know, measurable impact and what, if any. 
Yeah, I hear you on that. I thought I was, uh, you know, just reading the stories uh, this morning. And, and Crone, who did have that home run that you heard her at the beginning, he said uh, it was a glorified spring training game. Uh, a little less intensity. Nothing's the same. You know, they, they can't throw the ball around. They can't chew gum. No sunflower seeds. You know, all the things that they're they're used to doing. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you, you try to get a little bit of normalcy back with having it back. I mean, people were I, – I mean, I was waiting on it like it was, uh, you know, a playoff game last night. But, uh, you know, it, it, just watching it, you realize that it's not the same. But, you know, Boyd, he uh, – his slider was so good last year, and it was – it was pretty obvious that he didn't have command of that, you know, hitting the two guys and uh, he looked like he wasn't even going to make it out there early. But if, if he is going to be a guy that the Tigers are thinking about, you know, sticking around for a couple years and he's not just, you know, up at the top of the rotation during the rebuild and uh, he's really going to have to learn how to get those uh, two other pitches. I mean, last year he had a great slider and a, you know, and he worked that fastball, but man, he's got to throw that curve and he's got to throw a change up. He's got to be a four pitch pitcher. He was just a two pitch pitcher. And that's, I think the, the tail of the tape on him. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, you know, like you said, the the challenge with him, it's a combination of having the full repertoire of pitchers and then being able to command those pitches pretty well, right? Um, and, you know, when his fastball, like he doesn't obviously have a fastball, um, you know, he's usually 91, 92. Um, so he can't really just sit on that. He's got to be able to mix in other pitch types and he's got to be able to throw at least one of them for strikes. Like you said yesterday, you know, he could not command that slider at all. And if you can't command the slider, you can't drop it in for the occasional strike or you can't get ahead in the count and get guys to be chasing that pitch. Uh, a guy like him is just going to struggle to be effective. And so I think that's really what we saw, um, you know, last night and part of the time last season, especially in the second half as well, is that for him to be really effective, everything's got to be working well for him. He doesn't have that sort of power arsenal that he can just rely on or fall back on. And that's always going to sort of be the, the limitation of his profile. I think why, you know, some folks, you know, last year in the, around the trade deadline were really looking for the Tigers to just move from him because he's not going to be that guy that is going to, you know, be able to be, uh, you know, successful over a long stretch unless he can do all those things. And he's done them for short stretches, but he's never proven really to be able to do that for an entire year, unfortunately. Talking with Paul Wesner, talking some Tigers, uh, the executive editor of Tigestown. And it's not like uh, you've just been there for a year or two. You, How long have you been uh, working at Tigestown? So we started Tigestown back in the uh, winter of 2004. So basically found uh, myself watching this 119 loss team back in 2003. I said, what better thing to do than start covering this team uh, that was just uh, the, uh, you know, record setting bad. Um, and so I jumped in. And so it's been 16 years uh, covering the club since then. Well, you've, you've come full circle, you know, all of those losses. And then last year, 114 losses. This will be just like uh, when you were a young guy in a, in, in a, in a fledgling website. Yep, it is. It's come. It's been a long way, and seeing quite a few uh, ups, and uh, unfortunately now we're in a bit of a down. Um, but the upside of this down is that you know the Tigers have finally uh, made some significant investments from a player standpoint and the player development side. And I would say for the first time in a, a long time, really, you know, there's some legitimate strength down on the farm from a, a prospect standpoint. And hopefully, we're going to start to see those guys coming up here in the next, you know, whether it's this year, next year, and the year after, you're going to actually start to see some of the the fruits of that. Uh, rebuild investment. 
Well, how is this for you guys? Like, uh, I know you watched the Parrot Club and the Tigers uh, over the last year or two, certainly right now, and I think over the last, maybe even more than that, there's been as much uh, of a focus on the Tigers' farm system and drafting as there has with the with the big team, especially when, you know, things slip away and, you know, they're on their way to 114 or, you know, 99 lost seasons. But so you guys would spend a lot of time scouting, watching, and, 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 and looking at, you know, the Tigers minor leagues. And, you know, so now that's, that's not happening, you know, that's got to be tough for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's been a, an interesting past few months. Cause you know, like, and everything just sort of happened, you know, so quick. So usually, you know, I do my spring training coverage in that latter half of March um, because that's when all the minor leaguers are reporting. That's when minor league camp is ramped up. And literally, you know, I was supposed to leave on Thursday, and I think it was Tuesday that they just sort of pulled the plug on everything. And so never actually got to get down there. And now, obviously, the entire minor league season is off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough, obviously, from a coverage standpoint, but it's especially tough on these players. I mean, you know, these guys are all – uh, you've got, you know, 200 guys in the, the Tigers farm system um, that are working and trying to develop themselves to eventually become big league players. And how do you do that when you're basically prevented from doing the things that you need to be doing, um, you know, to develop and get better to ultimately reach that goal? So, you know, I mean, it's a tough thing all around, you know, and that's not even talking about, you know, the teams and the cities that are impacted by this that, you know, usually rely on having fans and a, a summer of, you know, baseball from these minor leaguers. So, you know, it's tough all around. I wonder if the Tigers, and, and I don't know what you could glean out of it, you know, with the, the players, like the 30 players around that, you know, the, the practice squad that are down in Toledo, like throwing in the nets and, you know, might, you know, face each other, I would imagine, and, you know, some inter-squad games or something, if the, the Tigers would, you know, put that like they did the the summer league games on the website, I might be, you know, more apt to watch, uh, you know, Torkelson and Manning and, you know, Scooble if he's back and, and healthy, then, you know, if this thing goes sideways really quick, what, you know, I don't know, like maybe it will, but maybe it won't, but I, I don't know. I don't know if you could, you could take anything away from watching uh Torkelson with a pancake glove over at third and, you know, you know, my, you know, the working, uh, just seeing if watching him throw into a net, I don't know. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think you're probably going to start to see some type of coverage out of that, especially once you get past the initial, it's a new season, things are getting ramped up. I think they're probably going to let that play out for a couple of weeks. And the team is just sort of, you know, now gathering down in Toledo, getting settled down there. Um, you know, and they don't yet have like, there's not a clear schedule or anything like that, right? It's not like they're going to be putting these guys together and you've only got, you know, 20 some players, uh, at least to start down there. So it's not like you have two full squads. You can be playing full games every day or anything like that either. Um, but I would venture to guess you're going to start to see some things coming out of there. Probably not necessarily guys thrown into a net, but I could see them, you know, trying to create situational type things and we'll have Casey Mize up there and put, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson and Isaac Paredes, you know, back to back to back and, you know, put together a five minute clip of those at bats and just, you know, trying to focus on some of the, some of the guys that could be up and coming and, you know, doing a, a best on best like that, because ultimately, um, at least for those guys, at least they're still going to have some opportunity to be playing baseball this summer. I'd be there for that content. I'll sign up for that. Let's go. You know, normally, and I think it's uh, at times a strength of mine and, and at other times a, a weakness during a 162 regular season game. A, a lot of the times, like I know I put like a little too much emphasis on one game, like freaking out, whatever happens, especially if the, you know, the bullpen blows it or, you know, it's, it's like that. You, you overanalyze it during the course of a season. But, you know, I normally, think, you know, know what – 
one game means, even if it's at, you know, a, a regular season. But now we've got 60 and 66 games. Like, so last night's loss, I mean, that that's almost like three games. So, uh, you know, it was just like the Tigers started the season out last night and got swept and then did nothing except have one swing and their starter got, you know, beat up. So uh, it, this is where we're at. I mean, so it's all a recalibration of, uh, of watching the games, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think it's that from the competitive standpoint, from an MLB, you know, perspective this year, I think that's going to be particularly interesting because, um, you know, I always traditionally said, you know, I don't even look at the standings till Memorial Day because there's just so much fluctuation that happens early season. You can have, you know, a bad week, a really good week, all that type of stuff. Right. Um, and so I generally say I don't even bother with standings until Memorial Day because there's just so much volatility early in the season. You basically take that typical stretch of you know opening day around april 1st to memorial day that's basically the entire length of the season this year so what is usually just a general oh there's a lot of volatility and uh, who knows what's going to happen early on in the season it's going to take some time um that's almost the entire year this year and so a really hot week or a really bad week can you know dramatically set you back um and so i think it's gonna be really interesting to watch how that plays out and how teams that are especially that could be on the fence and maybe you know would have or would not have played themselves in contention are gonna gonna handle that when they have you know either a really good week or potentially a really bad week I mean even a team you know like the Tigers or the White Sox like let's say the Tigers have a stretch where they go you know 10 and 2 10 and 3 something like that right which it's not unheard of right we saw the the 2016 and 2017 teams go on stretches like that um suddenly the Tigers are gonna say hey we're a game out of first place um, we could potentially be competitive here. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you think that team is really competitive, but, you know, baseball just has some, some you know, ups and downs in it that this is sort of the natural flow of the game that you can win a few and suddenly in this season anyway, uh, that can mean you're literally competing for a postseason spot, especially with MLB's decision earlier this week to expand the postseason to 16 teams. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition just to get into that postseason now. Yeah, and that's why, you know, normally I'd be crying about putting a guy on second base or expanding the playoffs and all the different things. But, you know, I'm just hoping they get through the thing. And so I'm all right with any of that. And, you know, to your point earlier, I usually don't look at, at, at trades and start looking at scenarios really to a month out of the the trading deadline in a regular season but you know here I am last night after the first batter with Nico Goodrum going down and hitting lead off and I'm thinking you know what come Monday they're five weeks away from the trading deadline so uh you know here we are it's not going to be too long where you really do think about it and if whatever happens to another team that might think they're in contention the the realistic thing with the Tigers is Maven, Scope, Chrome these guys are just on one-year deals, you know, and Boyd, as much as they, you know, thought about dealing with him last year, if, if he's going to have to show something, but, you know, these guys could, these guys could all be on the move. Yeah, they definitely could. I mean, you know, the trade deadline this year is going to be interesting because of the additional uh, sort of rules that they've put in place around trades. Um, there isn't the same flexibility that teams have. Like, so as far as like who can be traded and everything like that. So I'll be interested to see how the deadline plays out. Because unless you have somebody on one of your, basically on your 60-man roster as of now, um, you can't move those guys. And so a typical veteran for prospect type swap is going to be quite a bit harder to pull off because most teams don't have a whole lot of prospects um, on that 60-man roster. And so how some of these, you know, swaps may work out is going to be interesting, I think, as well. 
Yeah, well, you know, talk about me overreacting. You know, after Nico Goodrum stepped in, I'm tweeting, is this really the best the Tigers have at that leadoff? And then I'm looking at the lineup, you know, maybe Mabin and, you know, and, <laughs> and Jacoby Jones. Uh, and I'm like, I guess it is. And so that's like, wow, that was kind of reality, a reminder. You know, that the team lost 114 games last year. This is the best that they uh, can put out there for an opening game. But then I'll even give you another overreaction after the first inning, you know, and and a little bit of hopelessness, you know, setting in. Uh, I'm looking, you know, at at Vanderbilt and and Kumar Rocker and and Lighter, these pitchers, like these are the two. If, um, you know, they're they're talking about the the top prospects for next year, you know, one, two are are the two pitchers for – Uh, for Vanderbilt, and so that's the question to you. If they would get all the way to have the number one or two pick, would would the Tigers really be looking at at taking a pitcher, one of those guys from Vanderbilt, when you just consider, you know, looking up and down that lineup? I mean, I certainly think they would think hard about it. I mean, like, so obviously scouting for this community is going to be really tough right now, Um, and we're going to have to see how next spring plays out before you can even think about the draft. Is there going to actually be a college baseball season and everything like that? Um, cause otherwise you're basically gonna have to make a draft selection based on, you know, uh, film and scouting reports that are 15, 18, 21 months old, um, which could be challenging, but if you're going to rely on something like that, you know, a pitcher like, you know, Kumar Rocker, who was, uh, clearly one of the top arms coming out of in his high school class, clearly showed himself to be one of the best college baseball pitchers already last year and early on in the first, you know, couple uh, weeks of the season before it ended this year, um, and, you know, as much as the lineup needs help, the whole club still needs help, right? It's not like you can look at the rotation and say, yep, I can see as soon as we inject it with Mize and Manning that this rotation is going to be rocking, right? Like, there's holes all around the baseball team. And, you know, somebody like Bo Burroughs, who was a first-rounder a few years ago, he's already gotten shifted to the bullpen now, which was sort of a, a thing we've seen coming for the last, you know, year or two. Um, some of these guys aren't going to work out. So the the reality is that while – there's always going to be, um, at least at this point in time, the needs are clearly greater on the, the offensive side than on the pitching side. Um, this club needs improvement across the board. And so if, you know, Kumar Rocker is the, the best player available on the board whenever they come up, then, you know, I'd be, I'd almost expect to say that I'd see the Tigers taking him because uh, they need to continue to invest in the best talent available. Yeah, you're right. You know, after listening to you uh, talk about it, uh, and it wouldn't be a bad thing if, you know, all those guys worked out. You had Cooper Rocker and, and, and Mize and, and Scooble and Manning and right down the list there is your starters. I mean, that, uh, that all sounds good, and you know that that actually is, is not what uh, what happens. Well, you know, just thinking about the guys they have, like I, I keep seeing Anthony Fennick uh, at least twice he said there's a zero chance that uh, Spencer Torkelson comes up this year. Uh, and gets uh, promoted. I don't know. Like I was, you know, hoping for a series or something. I, I, it does seem like they're going to bring Mize up after a week or so. I don't know. It's, but how about any of those other guys? Scooble, Manning. I know there's a stuff issue with with Manning. Uh, Scooble looked like he you know, might have, uh, you know, be dealing with some kind of minor injury. Hopefully, just minor injury there. Any of those other guys? I mean, you're, you're expecting besides Mize that you're going to keep an eye on that. You know, you you really want to zero in. Tiger fans looking for these, you know, the the future. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, as you said, I certainly think we're going to see Casey Mize. We're probably going to see him sooner rather than later. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a week. I don't know if it's going to be two weeks, but um, it's not going to take long before we're going to see Casey Mize up with the uh, 
the active uh, 30, 28, 26 man roster whenever he comes up and whatever the number is at at that point in time. Um, he's that good. He's that polished. And, you know, quite frankly, especially now with, you know, a guy like Jordan Zimmerman hurts, it's not like the Tigers have a, a plethora of other options for their rotation right now. Um, so we're going to see Mize pretty soon. Um, you know, the next, you know, you've basically got three more guys that you potentially put in that next group. You've got Matt Manning, you've got Tark Skubal, and you've also got Alex Fiedo. Um Scoobal, as you mentioned, uh, unfortunately wasn't able to participate in the uh, the shortened summer camp, uh, but he has reported to the, the Toledo club now. And so I think for him, it's really just going to be a matter of uh, how long it takes him to get in shape and how good he looks compared to, you know, where he was at last summer. Uh, you know, he has some really, really impressive stuff. And if he can consistently harness that, I certainly think you're probably going to see him uh, at some point this year. And, you know, in the case of Manning, um, you know, he's got a couple of power pitches. He's got great stuff. He shows really good durability. I think in, you know, his case, you know, he's still on the younger side and it's really for him more about the refinement piece of it. So I would expect we're probably going to see, um, assuming healthy Scooble and, at some point, I think we're going to see Manning too, but Manning may just be a you know a cup of coffee type thing in the last week or two of the season, uh, just to get him a couple you know big league outings, have him face big league pitchers, get him used to that. Because I think honestly, still you know going into 2021, I fully anticipate the Tigers are going to say you know Spencer Turnbull is probably going to be in the rotation, and assuming we still have Matt Boyd, he's going to be in the rotation. Uh, but they're going to go into the season saying there's going to be two or three spots up for grabs and letting some of these young guys have a chance to compete for those spots because at some point, the prospects that you have have to actually come out and see if you can actually put them in or they're going to contribute at the big league level. And these guys are reaching that age where that's time for that to happen. Paul, any chance uh, you or any of your cohorts there at, at Tigestown are going to be making the trip down outside the stadium? Uh, I heard that's what you know some of the folks were doing down there at Cincinnati. I don't, I don't really know the situation if they have restaurants or, or bars that they can go into. I, I don't. That's not going to be the situation uh, for Detroit. But uh, any chance you're you're going down there to a, a barren parking lot to you know stay distanced away from people just to uh, tailgate like old times or anything? So I don't know if I'll do that at Comerica Park, but, uh, you know, depending on what type of media access they end up providing down in Toledo, I could see myself trying to, to go wander around Fifth Third Field down in Toledo because very similar to Comerica Park, they have a lot of open space where you can see in. Uh, they got a couple different restaurants that can see out of the park. So uh, depending on what type of access happens down there, I may uh, may camp out outside of, you know, the stadium in Toledo for a day or two just to, to see what I can see um, and get a chance to, you know, see some of these young guys in action. Um, but Obviously, a lot of that depends and uh, depends on how they're uh, allowing additional folks to, to come in and be exposed to some of the, the stadium and the players and things like that. Well, I'm going to eat some hot dogs on Monday for the opener. <laughs> that, that's, my, that's my big plan, you know, what's coming up. I, so tell people, like, uh, I do remember a long time ago, you know, Tigestown, you're mentioning when you first started out in the early 2000s that, you know, you sent me one of those, uh, it, it was a, a little guide. I think it had, like, the top 50 prospects, and I kept that thing, uh, you know, I had it for three, four years, like, uh, right on my desk there as I would broadcast, and anytime anybody came up, you know, I was firing through it and, uh, and able to find a guy you know tell everybody about you know Tigestown what you guys do there and what you're all about yeah yeah so, you know, Tigestown started up, as I said, way back in 2004 with a specific focus on covering the the players and the members of the organization that don't get that traditional coverage from the, the mainstream media. So we're not really focusing on the big league club. We're more going to focus on 
the prospects, the minor leagues, the international guys, what's happening in the draft, all these guys that are coming up and are, you know, potential to be impact players in the future. So really focusing on that, that little niche of just the guys that are, you know, going to be the stars of the players of tomorrow. And so everything Town is about is like you said, you know, the top 50 prospects, which we produce annually, it's going to be about doing podcasts and talk about how some of the minor league players are performing or how those guys are looking and, you know, when we could see some of these guys. Um, so that's really everything that we do from a focus standpoint is on what's happening for the next guy coming up. Sounds great. And, uh, Paul, thanks for, uh, you know, stay, staying with me for so much time here. I do have a quick story about 15 years ago. You know, I used to hang out at my friends a lot before I got married, but, you know, I'd stay on his couch, whatever else. But and he had a, a, a bull mastiff, this, like, giant dog. And, you know, we must have had some ribs or, or grilling, having a good old time over there. But I, I have to admit, I don't think I was using great hand hygiene or whatever else because the dog grabbed my flip phone back then at, like, 4 or 5 in the morning. And the last person I had called uh, was you, unfortunately for you, because uh, the dog at, like, 4 or 5 in the morning – you know, went to chewing on that phone and he was calling you at like, uh, you know, five or six times at four or five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm sorry about that all these years <laughs> later. Uh, I, I No pocket dialing. I'm really going to try over the weekend uh, not to, you know, go at you at four o'clock in the morning. No dog dialing. So, uh, uh, you know, sorry about that all these years later. You know what? All those years ago, I was probably still up at that point if it was a typical weekend. So I don't mind too much. But uh, there's a funny story. You know, I appreciate, uh, you know, you inviting me on today. And I was thinking back all those years ago. Uh, you know, you were really one of the first guys that actually uh, gave us a chance, you know, to come on air, gave us a voice. Uh, and I think that, you know, had a, a really big role in some of the success we had. So appreciate uh, all that time all those years ago. And it was great catching up as well. Yeah, I'm off to watch a little Tiger baseball, you know, Tigers, Reds, and then getting ready for Monday. Uh, enjoy it and stay safe. Thanks, Dennis. Take See care. See you, Paul. There he is, Paul Wesner from Tigestown. They do a great job. Yeah, I am. I'm going to watch baseball. I'm treating these first games. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I was all in last night. I'm all in this weekend. All in for – everybody's all in for opening day. Come on. So, at least for the – at least I can say for the first four days. I'll be all over it. Who knows what's going to happen after that. I do know the training camp for the NFL starts on Tuesday. Actually, the the Chiefs reported today, Saturday. So, you know, football, maybe. Basketball, can we say that now on Thursday and then the NHL a couple days after that? All right, thanks for listening. Dennis Fithian, good afternoon. Detroit Sports, take care.